Hi friends, my name is Paige and I'm the Creative Arts Manager at Grace Church Barberton. Welcome to our Sunday service podcast. We are so glad that you are listening. This is the live recording of our Sunday message and we hope you are encouraged and challenged by what you hear. Let's jump into Who Do You Say I Am? So excited to be with you guys. I got a question for you before we dive in this morning. I want you to get your mind thinking, okay? Has there ever been a time in your life when you have felt miserably sick? Is there a time in your life you've ever felt miserably sick? The reason I ask that is because I'm going to share with you guys a time where I've been miserably sick, and then we're going to dive into the passage this morning uh, and examine someone who else was miserably sick. So there was a time when I was miserably sick, and it was this past year about February time. Uh, You guys all know Xavier, uh, Xavier with the Afro, love hanging out with him, love getting to do student ministry stuff together. Uh, We did our winter retreat together, and so Xavier and I, we were working on some videos uh, to play for the students to get them excited, and Xavier had this great idea. Uh, He said, we're going to do some videos called Dude, What Would Happen? And then he'd fill in the blank with something random. And then what we would do is we'd cut to a next scene of where we're doing something totally random. And so he said, dude, what would happen if we did a Hot Wings Challenge video? So Hot Wings Challenge videos, uh, what happens, you get like the spiciest wings uh, you can from a local place. You start asking each other, interviewing some questions. So we went to Wing Warehouse in Barberton, uh, and we got the hottest. It was like the scorcher in the ouch. And I'm like, anytime that you need to fill out a waiver or that sounds like pain, you probably should stick away, like stay away from those. But we decided, we're going to say, do what would happen if we did a hot wings video. So cuts the scene. Him and I are starting to enjoy some hot wings. And before I even, I think it was like my second bite of the first wing, I start coughing. And my nose starts running a little bit. And we get a couple wings in, asking each other questions, having fun. And I look over, I'm like, how you doing, man? And he's like, I'm totally fine. And here I am, like, sniffling. I'm like, I, that doesn't even make sense to me. Like, how are, how are you not affected by this at all? Uh, and so we finished the video. I'm crying by the end of it. Uh, and when you have spicy stuff, one of the things they typically have, they give you is milk. So what I did is I had ouch and scorcher wings, the hottest wings you could get, and milk at like 11 o'clock in the morning. And throughout the rest of the day, I didn't eat anything because I didn't want anything else entering my body. I, I didn't have an appetite or anything. And so that was a Wednesday. Through Wednesdays, we have our student ministry programming at Norton. So we get through that. And at the very end of it, I'm like getting ready to drop because I just feel miserable. My head's pounding. Uh, my stomach's curdling. Uh, and I was not feeling good at all. And my wife's like, okay, let's go, let's go pick up some food. Maybe you just need something to eat. So we drive out to Cane's, and we start driving back with our, our, our fresh chicken tenders. Uh, and we're on the highway. Before we even make it home, I got to pull over. Uh, pull over on the highway. And my wife, who's pregnant and nauseous, uh, witnesses me uh, bringing back up the wings and the milk. And so we'll leave it there for right now. But that was a time where I was miserably sick. And so when you're miserably sick, you feel bad, and you feel like there's, there's no hope, like I can't get out of this. And so this morning, we're going to continue uh, in, through a series that we've been doing uh, through the journey of Luke and look at the question, who do you say I am? Jesus asked us this question, who do you say I am? Uh, in Luke 9, we read this, that once Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, Jesus asked them, who do the crowds say I am? So the disciples say, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, that one of the prophets from long ago has come back to life. But what about you, Jesus asked, who do you say I am? 
And so Peter answered, God's Messiah. So this is the third week of this series, but I encourage you to go back and listen if you uh, haven't been here for the first two weeks. Pastor Joel, he's done a great job setting up this conversation. I'm so excited to continue this. But what we said in week one, uh, we asked ourselves this question, who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? Because the truth of the matter is that we can be amazed by Jesus, but not truly following Jesus. We talked about how there were many people amazed by Jesus and all he was doing, yet only a few responded to the authority of Jesus in their life. Last week, we said this, that Jesus is a friend of sinners. Jesus identifies sinners and seeks to forgive them. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And what I think is really interesting, a running theme all throughout the, the book of Luke, Luke's gospel, is Jesus' compassion, his compassion that he shows to Gentiles, Samaritans, women, children, tax collectors, sinners, and others who are often regarded as outcasts. And so what I'd love to talk about today, and I'm giving you my bottom line within the first couple of minutes, but the bottom line for today is this, that Jesus is a home for the hurt. Jesus is a home for the hurt. And when I'm talking about hurt this morning, what I want us to picture in our minds is I'm not just talking about physically hurt. I'm not just talking about uh, hot wings and milk like at 11 o'clock at night. What I'm talking about uh, is hurt. So we're going to talk about some physical healing, but we're also going to talk about healing from emotional hurt, healing from psychological hurt, uh, and even some spiritual healing. So what we're going to read in this morning, you have your Bibles open to Luke 8. This is taking place right after uh, the sermon and parables. We, Jesus, early on in Luke 8, has the, the parable of the sower. Jesus talks about the lamp on a stand. Jesus presents this idea of what a spiritual family looks like. He, he does the calming of the storm, and, and uh, butting up right to what we're going to be reading this morning, Jesus just commanded a group of demons out of a man in Gerasenes. Gerasenes, uh, you can forget that word, but uh, Gerasenes is a place where there were, there were Gentiles who lived there. So it was the Gentile land. And what happened is all the people in the region of Gerasenes, what they did after Jesus healed this group of demons, or he called the group of demons out of a man, what they did, the people in Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave because they were so afraid. They were overcome with fear of what was happening. So they said, Jesus, you need to go. These Gentiles saying, leave Gerasenes. So Jesus got on the boat and left. And when we read in verse 40, where we're going to be starting off with this morning, Jesus returns to Galilee. So on, on one side of the Sea of Galilee, we have the Gentiles and Gerasenes saying, go away, we're afraid. Go back to where you came from. And then Jesus returns to Galilee uh, to the Jewish people who are eagerly waiting for him as he returns. So I want to go ahead and read this pretty lengthy passage together. I'd love to pray and then just spend the rest of our time unpacking just the power and truth of who Jesus is and what we can learn from that. So we're going to be starting in verse 40. Uh, Luke 8 verse 40 says this. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. 
When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. Then they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Would you guys pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for who you are. Father, thank you for this opportunity that we get this morning to just open your word and to grow in our love and our understanding of who you are. Father, help us to focus our our minds, focus our eyes, focus our hearts just on you this morning. Father, we wanna hear from you. And so we ask that for our next time together that you just speak to us and you just help us grow uh, in our understanding of who you are and the love that you have for us. Father, we love you. We thank you for never giving up on us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So there really is a lot going on in these verses, uh, but I'd love to just kind of give some context and walk through them together. So Jesus returned to Galilee, and uh, the Jewish people were so excited that Jesus was back, so excited that Jesus was returning. And there was one man in particular. He was the synagogue leader named Jairus. Everyone say Jairus. Perfect. Working with students, I I require a lot of participation, okay? Sometimes students give it not even when I ask. But Jairus, uh, he is the ruler of the synagogue. And the ruler of the synagogue, he would kind of be like a modern-day pastor. So he would take over the spiritual, the business affairs of the synagogue. And Jairus, being the synagogue leader, was the person that people would come to when they need help. And so uh, Jairus is here. He is the one now that has the problem, and he's coming to Jesus for help. And the reason what he's doing, he's, he's coming to Jesus on behalf of his daughter. Now, Jairus' daughter, we read that she is 12 years old. And when you reach about that 12-year-old mark uh, in, in this culture, you're starting to become responsible uh, for your actions, and you're, and you're getting entered into the Jewish community. And so Jairus is speaking on behalf of his miserably sick daughter, and he's having to, uh, to come to him and, and lay, lay aside maybe his own desires. He, he's kind of probably, his pride is hurt a little bit because he's supposed to be the one that, that is, uh, people come to for help, but rather he is the one coming to Jesus. And Jairus, he wants to do whatever he can for his daughter to be healed, like many parents would. And so raise your hand if you're a parent in this room. Lots of parents, right? So parents, you, you love and you care for your kids. Uh, and there's something that I found fascinating that, that I, I looked up, and it's something called hysterical strength. Hysterical strength. And, and that is this. Hysterical strength is a display of extreme physical strength by humans beyond what is believed to be normal. 
usually occurring when people are in or perceive themselves to be in life or death situations. So this hysterical strength is almost like this huge rush of adrenaline into your body. Uh, when you maybe are in like a fight or flight mode, you get this huge rush of adrenaline into your body. And there's stories of, of, of parents who are in these situations, they have this hysterical strength that, that actually helps them lift cars or, or break down walls. And so I, I found a story that I'd love to just read uh, with you guys this morning of a time where hysterical strength was used. The title of this article uh, found in the Globe and Mail in 2006 says this, Mother Fights a Polar Bear. So in this article, there's a 41-year-old mother living in a remote village in northern Quebec. She had wrestled with a polar bear to protect her two sons. The mother was walking with her sons when nearby children alerted them to an approaching polar bear. She told her sons to run, placing herself between them and the bear. Then she attacked the animal, kicking and punching it. And when this 700-pound bear swatted at her, the woman fell on her back but continued to kick her legs. Fortunately, a bystander had seen what was happening and shot his rifle into the air several times to startle the bear. With only This woman who fought this 700-pound bear came away from the incident with only a few cuts and bruises. She received a national award for bravery. Now, you got to have something going on in your body, that rush of adrenaline that, that encourages you uh, to, to fight on behalf of your kids, fight this 700-pound polar bear. And when we read our story, Jairus, he's not lifting up cars or fighting off polar bears, but, but he is hysterical when he comes to Jesus. He is so desperate when he comes because he's had to lay everything aside so that he could come to Jesus. Because Jairus, because of his high status in the synagogue and his high status in the area, he would have access to all the physicians, all the healers, all the doctors. So the truth of the matter is, when we get to this point in the story, Jairus has probably already uh, played out those options, tried to receive healing for, for his daughter. But Jairus, when none of that works, he has to lay aside all of this uh, emotional hurt that's playing against his pride and his dignity to come to Jesus. Because remember, as a synagogue leader, you should have it all together. And because of who Jairus is and what he does as the leader of the synagogue, Jairus would have a hard time asking for help. Probably, as I assume, as many modern-day pastors would when they're going through difficult times. Because of the high status that they hold, it's difficult to fight the pride to ask for help. But either way, uh, when Jairus came to Jesus, Jesus agreed and Jesus responded to the faith that Jairus showed and went with him. And as he, uh, Jesus was traveling with Jairus to go to heal his daughter, uh, we read about the crowds, the, the multitudes of the crowds that almost crushed him. And I, I found it fascinating that the King James Version of the Bible uses the word thronged. And the word thronged means to choke out or suffocate. Now, so these, Jesus is traveling, and these crowds are almost crushing him. I'm saying, thankfully, Jesus wasn't a germaphobe or claustrophobic because that would have been his worst nightmare. But this huge crowd is, is traveling with him. Have you guys ever been Black Friday shopping at all? Yeah, so right. Think of the big crowds that you see during the uh, Black Friday shopping. The stores are crowded. Lines, lines happen all the way through Thanksgiving Day now. The, the, there's so many people that are filling these stores and all these people are grumpy because maybe they missed out on Thanksgiving dinner to, to catch the deal or, or whatever it is. They're sleepy. They're hungry. 
And all these people would do anything for a good deal. So that means lining up for hours outside of the store. And immediately once the store does open, everyone, everyone just rushes to get the deal that they needed. Uh, people are probably stinky. They're probably smelly because what's most important in their mind is I got to get this deal. So think of the big crowd like that. And as Jesus was traveling, this huge crowd, they was bumping into him as he was going. And that's not all we read about because then this woman enters the story Luke tells us about. And this woman, she's unnamed, but whose story brings context, brings the text to light. Not only has this woman suffered for continuous bleeding for many years, but also that dirty and unclean feeling that she has resulting from being stigmatized and isolated from people. She was dealing with this for 12 years. So about the age that Jairus' daughter was born, she was suffering from continuous bleeding. And she was in this constant uh, existence of pain and being cast out from people. She's alone. No one is, is there to, to plead for her on her behalf. She's probably ashamed because of who she is and the way she feels. Because uh, we read about in the book of Leviticus, which is in the, New, or the Old Testament part of your Bible, really fascinating read. Uh, I totally encourage you to read that if you're uh, looking to start off. There's a lot of laws in Leviticus, so it could be pretty boring. <laughs> but in Leviticus, the, the, the laws that were in order for that group of people at that time, uh, it would say this, that if there was a person who had blood or discharge, they would be considered unclean. This person would be unclean for a certain amount of days. And what would happen if, if you touch this person or if you, uh, say, sit on a chair that they were sitting on or touch anything that they had touched when they were uh, unclean, that would make you unclean. And so then you would then have to go and isolate yourself. You'd have to, to wash yourself and everything you're wearing and stay away from everyone until the next day. So this woman is miserably sick. Not only is she experiencing physical hurt, from, from the bleeding, but she's also feeling this social uh, hurt, this emotional hurt, psychological hurt that, that no one wants to be around me. No one wants to, to touch me or even be in the same vicinity. For 12 years, she's been dealing with this. And, and I assume that, that she has spent all her month, like all, all of her money on wanting to be healed. That's actually what the, what the verse says, that she had spent all her money on healing, all the money that she had. Think of this, all the time for the past 12 years that she has spent seeking out doctors or healers, all of the relationships that, that were probably broken now because of uh, her state of uncleanliness. So she went to the doctors to get better, but every doctor she would go to, there would be no luck. And so she would only be worse off health-wise, and uh, she would even be broke. So the emotional hurt she's been collecting for the past 12 years and the relationships that have been burned without the touch of anyone. And I, I think of how damaging that can be uh, to our self-esteem, to our hearts. And I'm not even like a person who enjoys physical touch all that much, but to go 12 years without any of it has got to be damaging. I think of this when we're struggling with our hurt, when we're struggling with maybe insecurities that we have, think of the doctors that we run to for our healing. I think one of the biggest doctors that a lot of people run to is doctor entertainment. So if I could binge that Netflix series, if I could play this game, if I could go see that movie to just distract myself or to fill myself up, uh, if I go to that doctor, I'll receive healing. 
but eventually doctor entertainment doesn't help. So then you go maybe to doctor success, doctor success. If I could just be the best at what I do, if I could uh, be successful, then then I'll be healed. But ultimately, doctor success doesn't work. So maybe you turn to doctor pleasure, doctor self-help, or even doctor religion. But Jesus is the only one who can save your sick soul. And so Jesus, what, he, what he's even said in, in many of his teachings, that he has came to be a doctor for the sick. Because this woman who's experiencing this hurt is just hiding in her sickness. She's ashamed. And I don't know uh, about you guys, but I really enjoy the series The Chosen. So I think The Chosen gives a, a really good visualization uh, of what we read about a lot in our Bible. And it's not word for word, but I think it's a great picture of what we could maybe experience. And if you go, I encourage you to go on uh, after today and, and even look up the episode because these verses that we get to unpack here together, they did an episode about in The Chosen. I think it's so fascinating because you see when Jesus arrives, he's met by Jairus. Jairus coming to, to say, hey, can you help me, Jesus? My daughter really needs it. She's miserably sick. And so Jesus goes with him. And I think so fascinating to really visualize it, it's, it's so interesting when you watch this episode because it shows when Jesus is traveling to go see Jairus' daughter, the, the huge crowds that are, are following him, that there's, there's one person in almost like this body of security guards, some of the disciples who are, are, are pushing people out of the way to, to make way for where Jesus is going. Uh, and they're traveling down this, this alley and what we come to know that she's the, the bleeding woman. And you could tell by where she's at, she's kind of hiding behind a wall, seeing that Jesus is, is coming down the way. And she starts, she starts being like, no, that's Jesus. I know that that's Jesus. And she's like, if I could just touch Jesus, if I could just touch his robe or something like that, then I would be able to be healed. And this woman, she would stick out in the crowd, but for all the wrong reasons. So people started to notice that she was there. And there were other people that were calling her out, said, no, like, you need to go away. Like, you're unclean. You, sh- you shouldn't be around this Jesus guy. And so there's other people that are pointing out to other rabbis and people that are there saying, like, she's got to go. Like, she's unclean. We, we've kicked her out of most things. She can't be around here. But this woman, you can just feel the hurt with her. She's like, no, like, please stop. Like, like I just need to get to Jesus. I just need to get to Jesus. And so as the crowd is, is going by, what she does, and we read about this, uh, but the Chosen does a great job visualizing it, that she is starting to, to weave in and out of the crowd because she's trying to get to where Jesus is. So think of every person she bumps into as, as she's weaving through the crowd, she's now making them unclean. Now, now, whether they know it or not, they might be distracted in that time, but she's making them unclean. And I think of just the amount of bodies that are here surrounding Jesus, Probably many of them that are, are fishermen or shepherds or they're travelers, they're really stinky. There, there's these crowds that, that we could picture like Black Friday crowds. And the, I just think of the sound. Everyone's trying to yell to get Jesus' attention. And as this crowd is, is moving, she's, she's making her way to Jesus. And she knows that if I could just touch Jesus, that I would be healed. And so as she's making her way through the crowd, she gets close enough to him where she reaches out. And she's like falling over. And, and she grabs one of, the, one of the tassels of Jesus. And immediately, one of the, the tassels that was off of the clothes that Jesus was wearing, immediately when she touched those, she was healed. She was healed. And, and, and you can almost picture in this moment that, that Jesus just kind of stops. 
this crowd is moving, and then Jesus just kind of stops and is like, someone touched me. Like, who touched me? And I think it's so funny because when you read kind of the tone of what Peter is saying here, Peter, one of the disciples, is kind of like, are you kidding me, Jesus? Like, there's a crowd of people. There are probably hundreds of people here, and you saying someone touched you? Like, of course, everyone's bumping into you. But Jesus is like, no, I felt this power leave. And so Jesus asks again, who touched me? And you can kind of see all the crowd gets silent, and everyone, the, the tension's real thick of like, uh-oh, like the teacher's mad. Like, uh, and this woman is laying on the ground and is just, just, just cowering down, probably thinking that she's going to get yelled at, that, that Jesus is going to really get her removed from, from the city. All these things in her mind that she's thinking like, oh, man, I'm probably about to be in trouble. But to her, she realizes, I'm healed. I'm not bleeding anymore. Like, I, I, am, I am now healed. And so what she probably expects is that Jesus is going to call her out in front of the crowd. And it was so embarrassing for this, this woman in the condition that she had that she didn't come up. To, she, it wouldn't be acceptable for her to come up to Jesus and, and specifically ask for help. That's why she did what she did. That's why she made her way through the crowd to reach out to touch Jesus. And the thing that I found fascinating between this, because what we read is that Jesus sees her on the ground. And, and instead of calling her out, calling her names, uh, dismissing her from the crowd, what he does is, is he, he gets on her level. What he does, he, he looks at the woman in the eye, and the woman is like, like you don't understand. Like, like, I was doing this for 12 years. Oh, hurt. And Jesus responds with compassion. He looks at her in the eye and says, daughter, your faith has healed you. you get up. Go in peace. Your faith has healed you. And it's so fascinating because in the culture, what people would, would think about when, when uh, someone touches the unclean, they would think that maybe Jesus is now considered unclean. But that's not what happens because Jesus exchanged something, he exchanged his power for her healing. So she is now clean. I think it's so fascinating when we think about this, too, because when we see this crowd, we see this woman, there, we can know that there's a difference between bumping into Jesus and reaching out to faith in Jesus. That there's a, a real difference between bumping up against Jesus versus reaching out to him in faith. Because the crowd, everyone is bumping into Jesus as they're going. The crowd is surrounding Jesus. They may be interested in who Jesus is and what he's doing. They may like to listen to what Jesus is saying, so they just surround him. But this woman reaches out to faith, in faith, to touch Jesus. This woman sees Jesus as a healer, comes to Jesus in hysterical desperation, recognizing that all the doctors, the healers, physicians that she's been to, none of them have helped. She sees Jesus and, and reaches out to him in faith that even just touching him will restore her health. I think it, it challenges us with this question. Am I bumping into Jesus or am I reaching out to Jesus? Am I like the crowd? Am I just bumping into Jesus? Do I fit in with the church crowd? I, I do all the church things and, and make sure what I'm saying or, or doing is what church people should say. But all these things as I'm bumping into Jesus are just going through the motions. But rather, am I reaching out to Jesus? Am, am I reaching out to, to have this personal relationship, this life-giving, growing relationship with Jesus? 
In a relationship, you, you spend time with someone. You spend time getting to know them. You talk with them. You, 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 you hang out with them. You get to know them. And even in a relationship, often, more often than not, you become more like them. So am I just bumping in, going through the motions with Jesus, or am I spending time with him? Am I reaching out to him in faith? In Hebrews 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is believing that Jesus is who he says he is, and that he will do what he says he will do. Bumping into Jesus can be attending church, and you could be attending church but only have casual contact with Jesus. You can, you can talk with him occasionally, or you could reach out to him in faith like the woman does. And the woman who reaches out in faith, uh, she reaches out with this faith that she will be made well. She touches the garment, and it happens. Jesus shows compassion. And this woman, when she touched Jesus, uh, like I said, people would think that it would make Jesus unclean. But because of who Jesus is and the power of God, that's not how that works. Because when she touched the garment, Jesus wasn't made unclean, but the woman was made whole. The woman was made complete. And when we come to Jesus with our sin and we lay it upon him, it doesn't make Jesus a sinner, but it makes us clean. And there's this mindset often uh, in circles that I interact with people that, that people have this mindset that I, I'm just too far gone. I'm too lost to experience Jesus. Like, you don't, you don't know who I am. You don't know what I struggle with. I am too far lost. But this woman, who would probably be considered too far lost, was able because she was healed. But there's also this invitation in this interaction with Jesus for, for spiritual healing and even social healing. So if you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this down, that Jesus provides a home for the hurt by calling the hurt out of hiding. Sometimes in our lives, we can use our sickness or we can use maybe our status to hide behind. Shame controls our life and we hide. Pride creates fear when we appear that we're unsteady or don't have it together. But Jesus calls us out of our shame and out of our pride to give us a new identity to attach our lives to. He provides for us life full of joy in the midst of trials and hope in the midst of hurting. Jesus says in Matthew 11, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And so maybe this morning you're, you're walking in and, and bumping into Jesus and going through the motions, uh, and you're hiding in maybe sickness or hiding in your hurt, hoping that you can just bump in and bump out this morning. But Jesus is inviting you to reach out to him in faith. Jesus invites us to make our home in him and experience the healing that only he can provide. And this isn't it. It's not just the healing of the woman, and, and that's the end of the story. Because what we go on to read is that uh, as the situation is happening, as the, the woman is, is now healed, someone from uh, the house of Jairus comes and interrupts them. And the person from the house of Jairus says, your daughter is dead. This feeling really miserably sick it led to her death. So come on, let's, let's not bother the teacher anymore. Let's not bother Jesus anymore. And Jesus, when he heard this, he, 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 what he did is he responded to this. He said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. So picture yourself kind of in, in Jairus' shoes right now. You're crushed. 
because you got to witness something amazing where this woman was healed, but, but you find out your, your daughter's dead. And, and Jairus, in this moment, he's probably going through some, some rapid thoughts in his head. He may be saying this, like, Jesus, if you didn't waste your time on this woman, then my daughter might actually be healed. Jesus, I was in line first. Like, I, I came to you. I, you know all these things, Jairus is probably going through his mind, he's like, I did all these things, I put my pride aside, all this hurt that I was going through just to come to you, and you wasted this time on this woman, Jesus, you said you would heal my daughter. Well, that's not what Jairus responds, but it's probably something that we, were, we all think when we encounter those moments. Probably think, man, Jesus, it was too late. Jesus was too late. We, we ask ourselves these questions. If, if only Jesus would have answered my prayers, then maybe my family wouldn't have to live through this tragedy. If Jesus would only have answered these prayers, then I wouldn't be suffering right now. I wouldn't be going through this hurt. But there's something that, that God knows that we don't, we don't know. And I found this incredible quote from, from Tim Keller that says, sometimes God answers our prayers by giving us what we would have asked for had we known what he knows. Because the truth is, we, we don't know what God knows, but allowing ourselves to, to release our control in this situation and to trust that, that he has us can free us from the hurt that our bodies are bound to. And we believe that, that Jesus is a healer and that he can heal. At the same time, we acknowledge that we live in a sinful world, and we won't always know why, but we know that Jesus, the healer, is present with us. We can often lose sight of who God is. I saw a pastor give out this illustration one time, and he said, he said sometimes we put God in a box. We all have God boxes in our mind. And, and we only have a finite mind and understanding of things, but God is infinite. We often put God in a box, and anything outside of the box is something that, that God can't do. It's outside of what God is able to do. That's just, that's just sometimes who we are, sometimes the mindset that we have, that, that, that God can't overcome all these things. A pastor wrote in a book that I, I read, and he said, we prefer a God who is small and domesticated, who thinks like we think, likes what we like, and whom we can manage, predict, and control. But we believe in a God who we cannot manage, we cannot predict, we cannot control. We believe in a God that sacrifices for us for no other reason and that he loves us. So if you're taking notes, I'd, I'd write this down. Jesus provides a home for the hurt by exchanging our hurt for his healing. And Jesus invites us into this journey. And as in every journey, there's going to be times where things go unexpected. You can't plan out everything that happens in this journey. And so in this journey with Jesus, the hurt's not going to go away instantly. The wounds are going to take time to heal and to overcome. But the reward that comes from this exchange is freedom to experience this freedom, and to just experience the healing that only Jesus can provide. So Jesus and Jairus make it to the house, and uh, Jesus didn't let anyone go in with them except for uh, Peter, John, and James, and then the child's father and mother. And there were these people that were wailing and mourning, and, and they would even be like playing, playing flutes, like playing this music, wailing and mourning, because this woman, this girl has died. And these people, they, they were hired to do that. There, there were these people who were professional mourners. That the, when there was a death in the house, a death in the community, they would show up 
they, they, would, they would wail. They would play flutes. They, they would do whatever to, to really just make a scene. And Jesus says to them, stop wailing. She's not dead, but she's asleep. And, and Jesus was mocked and ridiculed for this statement. They'd be like, no, like, are you kidding me, Jesus? Like, you might be a little insensitive to come in here and say that. But what happens is Jesus goes with the family, and, and he lays his hand on the, the girl, takes her by the hand and says, my child, get up. And we, we witness that the touch of Jesus restores her back to full health. What I think we can learn from with this interaction with Jairus' daughter that we're never too little to experience the healing of Jesus. I find it so interesting that, that both of uh, the woman and, and the daughter that we get to read about, they, they are victims of illness, and they would be considered ritually unclean. One, because uh, when, when you were dead, if you were a corpse, if someone touched a corpse, that person was unclean. And, and one is the result of the constant bleeding for 12 years. Both represented the significance of the number 12. 12 years for the, how old the daughter is, 12 years for how long the woman's been suffering. But all, in all this, we see how the work of Jesus is, is different, yet same, among both the woman and the daughter. If Jesus can, can touch each need this personally, he can touch our needs the same way. Because the contrast of each story that we get to read about in this passage all point to the same healer. The 12 years of sunshine in Jairus' life that were about to be extinguished and the 12 years of agony that seemed hopeless for the woman. Jairus was an important man. He was a ruler of the synagogue, but the woman was a nobody. The woman was poor because she spent all she had on doctors. Jairus came publicly in front of people, whereas the woman came secretly. And Jairus' daughter was healed secretly, whereas the woman was healed publicly. Another thing that I think that we see in both of these stories is that these two characters, they're unnamed by society. Luke doesn't write about what their name is. But then, by Jesus, they're unnamed by society, but Jesus referred to them both as daughter. I think this is so true of what we experience today because society wants to put this label on you. Society wants to say, you are what you do, you are what you make, how successful you are. Depends on how clean you are, how likable you are, how helpful you are. But Jesus is vastly different than society. Because Jesus, when he looks at us, he says, you are loved. That you are chosen. You are forgiven. You are a masterpiece. You are redeemed. You are a citizen of heaven. And so in both of these stories, uh, it, it's not telling us that we're always going to be healed. Rather, uh, it shows us what it looks like to reach out to Jesus in times of our pain or in times of our heartache. And we all, in, in these stories, they receive the gift of truth that you are beloved and known intimately by your creator. In 1 Corinthians 6, it talks about uh, all these sins and, and horrible things that were going on. And, and the writer of 1 Corinthians says this, and that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Jesus offers us to experience his healing by exchanging for our hurt, because Jesus is a home for the hurt. So I'm going to invite the band, and, and we're going to finish with a song, but, but I don't want to miss this, this time. I don't want to miss this time. I think we can, more often than not, 
hear a word on Sunday morning. We can come in contact with Jesus, and, and, then, and then we go away for a week. But I think Jesus is inviting us to a journey. So the question I have for you this morning is, have you accepted that invitation? Have you accepted that invitation that Jesus extends to you to, to follow him? Have you accepted this invitation to be on a journey and not just a moment, not just casually contacting? Have you been living a life bumping into Jesus or have you been living a life reaching out to him, spending time with him rather than just casual contact? Another question to think about is this, are there areas in life where I'm hiding in my hurt? Because of who I am, what I do, or because of the hurt that I'm experiencing, am I, am I hiding? The challenge that, that I have for us and that, that Jesus has for us this morning is to reach out in faith, to make your home in Jesus and experience the healing that only Jesus can provide. I know, and you know that there's, there's people in our lives that, that are hurting bad and maybe turning to anything but Jesus. Who are the people in your life that you can commit to be praying for? Who are the people in your life that may have this, this picture of who Jesus is and they may have this mindset that I, I'm too lost. I'm way too lost to experience the healing of Jesus. Would you commit to, to praying for those people, praying for the three people in your life that don't know him? That they could reach out to, in faith to experience the healing Jesus and experience the identity that only Jesus can provide. Would you guys pray with me as we close? God, thank you for you. Father, thank you for the healing that he provides. Father, I pray for each and every one of us who are in this room or listening later and are just walking through hurt this miserable sickness or this difficult pain that we can't overcome. Pray that, that you, God, will do what only you can do to restore health, to restore relationships, to, to, to provide, to protect all these things that you promised us, God. Father, I thank you that, that we, we don't have to do this alone. We've got brothers and sisters in this room God, we also have you. Thank you, Father, for, for never giving up on us. Whenever we feel as if we're too far lost, too far gone, Father, you, you meet us and you show us compassion. Thank you for never giving up on us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to reach out and connect with us or hear more about Grace, you can head to barberton.gracechurches.org for more information. We meet in person at 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 629 Wesleyan Avenue in Barberton. Have a great day.